podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Brutal Nation, a podcast series dedicated to lesser-known serial killers and true crime. I think that's a better opener there. My name is Scott Alexander, and right across from me is Miss Tammy Underwood, and this here would be the Honolulu Strangler, Part 2. Hi, everybody. Dose. He's ignoring me again. I was just going to say say hi, Tammy, but okay. no, yeah, you have to run your mouth. after you introduced me, and then you just didn't. What? You're switching up your modus operandi. It is my modus operandi to switch up. Thank you very much. (laughs) Excuse me while I dump this body in my normal dumping grounds. (laughs) There's work to do here. Dump you in my normal dumping grounds. That's right. These bodies aren't going to dump themselves. (laughs) I'm lucky I'm still here. Okay. All right, so let's continue on with yes. the with the good old Honolulu yes, Strangler. Yes, this is part two. Now, just to recap for those who didn't hear it, um, we talked about uh, the Honolulu Strangler, Strangler, who was the first and only documented serial killing case in Hawaii. To this day, by the way. To this day. And this happened back in 85, 86. Um, so, I mean, not to recap at all, but there were five victims, five known victims, and they brought in a guy from question, for questioning by the name of Howard Gay. And, but they had to stop it, Scott. He made very a lot of jokes about it. But they had to let him go because most of the evidence they had against him was circumstantial. Right. Okay. And I, I kind of I agree with that. You know, uh, can I give that part of the recap? They kind of they they the whole reason why they even brought him in is because he, he had a van that fit a description. Right. He led him to uh, to some, some pig bones, uh, some pig bones mm-hmm. in the general area where some of the girls were found. Correct. Um, One of the girls. Yeah, and he worked uh, in a uh, in in a shipping area. A cargo. Yeah, yes, air, a cargo. An air where they cargo. used paracord and uh, yes, and the paracord was important because um, he the. Unsub used the paracord to bind his victims. In a very specific way. And very look, specific. Look at the pictures on the page and you'll yes, see how. exactly. So, yeah, I, and I, it's, it's justifiable. There's nothing in there that says that that Howard Gay. Right. It was no neon signs or anything like that. And we'll also point out that this happened in 85 and 86. So right. DNA was not available to them. Yes. Yeah, so DNA... RNA, all of the uh, matching things wasn't in play. Right, exactly. Because, you know, um, because even today when DNA is more prevalent, sometimes it's not 100% accurate. Because like in the case of identical twins, you know, so I will just throw that out there too. Groovy. I just wanted to make a point. Okay. Because I'm tired of being left out. No, oh, I'm my kidding. God. <laughs> okay. So, anyways, now that we're caught up. Oh, oh, and the FBI had given them an original profile about how the unsub was an opportunist who saw pe- these women in vulnerable situations and acted upon it. Like, almost an impulse. But you know what? That was kind of fucking obvious. You got women. Oh, you think kind- so, huh? To me, yeah, because these are women that are coming to and from work. So if you're heading to a job, mm-hmm. are you looking over your shoulder going, there might be a serial killer? Yeah, especially on an island where there's never been a serial killer. Or what, what are you paying attention to? No, I'm not paying attention. I no, just... no, no. You're paying attention to fucking going to work. 
Oh, oh, I thought you meant right now. Not right now, I thought you were talking about me. No, because I looked away from you, and then all of a sudden you said, what are you paying attention to? That's why I thought you were referring to. No, no, I apologize. If you're heading to work, you're coming from work, going to work, um, you know, or you're at work, that's what you're focused on. Mm -hmm. You're not thinking, hey, is there a danger around me? Am I in the danger zone? Nothing like that. So, of course, he's an opportunist. He's waiting. You know, it's not like, you know... Uh, any of the victims of any serial killer is going to turn around and go, you must be the serial killer. Are you going to get me too? No. They're like, they're looking around, hey, those are nice trees and I like this flower. I got to go to work and, you know, work until 8 o'clock tonight. That's what they're thinking. Okay. (laughs) No, I just, you are so funny. I I just love you. (laughs) But then... I'm going to contradict you here in a minute. So. Oh, bring it on, sister. Woo, I'm ready. I'm stretching out now. Mm, I'm ready for this fight. Woo! I almost hear um, the Rocky theme. That's in what my I was thinking. You're going to start running up some steps for me? No, God no that's right. not going to happen. <laughs> then I'm going to raise my hands and start yelling. Like, and then pass out. <laughs> <laughs> I'd pass out by the third step, okay. but okay. Okay, now let's get into part two here. Um, because the reason why I brought up the uh, the profile is because I talked to you guys about the profile that the task force received back in 1986. and But I wanted you to keep that, ta- that profile in mind. And I'm glad that we recapped it a little bit. Because I'm going to explain why I told you that to keep it in mind now. Okay? In 2018, now everything I have from this point forward was information that was gleaned Af- in 2018. Okay, yeah. So there's there's more technology at play. There's more technology applied. There's more knowledge applied. Yes, they go back a little bit to talk about stuff, but most of the stuff from here on out is 2018 through now. Okay, groovy. Okay. So, in 2018, a guy by the name of Derek Lavasser, who is a retired police detective, and a guy by the name of Chris Mahondi, who's a forensic psychologist decided to do their own investigation in this case. Oh, groovy. Okay. Now, as part of that investigation, um, and they also, I mean, they are also um, the main investigators on a show called Breaking Homicide. Okay. And little known fact, Derek Lavasser was a Big Brother winner back in the day. Um, (laughs) Oh, that's the one you were telling me about. Okay. Anyways, yeah. He's really awesome. He's an excellent detective. Um. But anyways, they actually consulted with a person by the name of Dr. Mary Ellen O'Toole, who is a member of the FBI Elite Behavioral Analysis Unit and the FBI's leading expert in the area of psychopathy. Okay? So, to get her, they wanted to get her profile of the unsub in this case. Now, she has a list of credentials about a mile long that I'm not going to get into. I'm not going to recite in its entire entirety, but I will mention this for her credibility that she worked on the Elizabeth Smart and Natalie Holloway disappearances. Oh, wow. Sweet. Yeah. And she helped capture, interview, and understand some of the most infamous and dangerous people in the world, like Gary Ridgway, the Green River Killer. Right, right. Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. Oh, yeah. And David Parker Ray, the Toy Box Killer who we featured in episode five. What was her name again? Her name is Dr. Mary Ellen O'Toole. Dr. O'Toole, I appreciate you getting the toy box killer off the damn well, streets. See, I don't know if she helped capture him, but she helped like interview him at least. 
At the very oh, okay. least. Okay, well, yeah. still, it contributed to getting that scumbag off the streets. Off the streets, Yes, man. because if you haven't known about the Toy Box, listen to episode five. He was a sick yeah. fucker. I'm the one who got to present that one, and it's just, yeah, that's another one. That is another one. But, okay, so she provided them with a different profile, if not contradictory, to the first one. Hmm. And the reason why I said that is because she actually has the experience, because I talked about how back in the 80s, they weren't even psychologists. They were just going off a database that was compiled by agents who interviewed 36 serial killers. In the 70s. Yeah, they interviewed them, started interviewing in 76, compiled the list in 79, and they were like, here you go. This is the go-to list for profiling. So let, I just want to make that clear. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the FBI, but we've learned a lot since then. Okay? So, frankly... After I dig, I, you know, so she gave him another profile. And after I dug further and further into this case, I find that her profile to be more on point with the circumstances surrounding each incident. And here's what she had to say. Okay. The first thing she pointed out is that this type of unsub doesn't just happen to wake up one morning and decide they want to kill. Correct. Okay. They don't just happen to know how to access their victims and what to say and or do to their chosen victim to presumably willingly get them into the vehicle. Okay. Mm -hmm. There will always, there will always be practice cases before they become a serial killer. Serial offender, actually, with a perfected signature such as the one seen in this case. The binding, yep. the you know the location of the bodies, the cloth, the missing articles of clothing. Those were all signatures. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the fact you know, and I'll get into something else here. With this in mind, it isn't even remotely likely that these are the only five victims to ever have contact with this unsub. I would okay? agree. Now, she also noted that it's very interesting that all of these victims were found in some sort of body of water. Or another. All hmm. of them were. Now. I didn't even link that, but I'm figuring it's Hawaii. It's. I know, right? Kind of water everywhere. No, but. Well, they were. Mo- most of them were inland, except for. You know, because even the canals, they were inland, but they were water. Okay. okay. Now, none of them were discovered on dry land. So the unsub doesn't have to be a genius or even know a great deal about forensics in general to understand that. Evidence is diminished if not destroyed over a period of time if the water is in if the body is any in any body of water. Holy shit, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because even like bodily fluids and stuff like that, if the body's in water for long enough and the body bloats and stuff, it takes you know what I mean? The chemicals and stuff distort that well, you, you would think that it wouldn't take very long because Hawaii is more of a warmer climate. That and salt water. Right. Yeah. So you have a lot more bacteria, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, a lot more active bacteria. Mm -hmm. And once you expose a a body that's not alive. Right. Well, and we have to take in. We do have to remember that three of the victims were found within 24 hours. Right. But even within 24 hours, man, there's still a lot of bacteria. Yeah. They were submerged kind of in water. Yeah. You have you have that. Yeah, whatever right. animals or fish. Correct. Things like that. You Correct. Know. And I'll get into that here in a minute, too. Oh, about, sorry. No, you're not jumping ahead. I just, I want, I'll just, I'm just saying I'll explain more. Groovy. Okay. Then she told them it's also very important to keep in mind that these murders happened around the same time that information was being released nationally about the Green River Killer, who coincidentally placed his first five victims 
in the Green River up in Seattle. Mm -hmm. So she said you might want to consider that this guy is a copycat of the Green River Killer. Oh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Did he, and did the unsub place the bodies in these particular locations so the water could help destroy any evidence that had been left on them, like the Green River did? He did right. that specifically for that reason. Which would make the most sense. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, especially when he could have taken them deep into the Hawaiian jungles where they might never have been discovered, even to this day. Thus leaving the case as a missing person as opposed to an unsolved murder. Ah, uh, true. Yeah. True, true. So, perhaps it was a combination of both of these that motivated this guy to choose these locations to leave the bodies of his victims. Okay? Now, she keeps going. Next, she talked about the victim selection. With the information she was given, she was unable to discern the presence of significant defensive injuries, which I'll get into later, in each of these victims. She told them that knowing this would be important in the case, if there was a large presence of defensive wounds on the victims, it would indicate the unsub was not in complete control at all times and the victim was able to fight back. If there is a noticeable absence of defensive wounds, it would say more about what they needed to look for in the unsub. And now she's going to go into that. That I was okay. going to bring that up, but go ahead. Okay, no. I'm by the reports given by detectives who actually worked the cases, it's noted that most of the victims didn't have a significant amount of those types of injuries, nor did it appear the women entered his vehicle under any sort of duress. So it would appear they all entered the unsub's vehicle consensually. They, this information is based on the lack of witnesses reporting a man and woman struggling with the witness reports about the type of vehicle seen in the area and the description of the man that was given. So if they're seeing the vehicle, they're seeing a man that's suspicious, they would have noticed a struggle. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Now, with this information, Dr. Tool says the unsub was more than likely able to come across as non threatening to each of his victims unless of course he employed some sort of blitz attack to pull them into his vehicle or brandish some sort of a weapon to give his victims a perceived threat as both of these would put him in control however again i want to note of the several witness reports that authorities received none of them would have suggested a blitz attack and or I'm... a man displaying any weapon in any area and i would add if he's if it was a blitz attack and he's grabbing him and pulling him into the van, right? There has to be more than one person. There would have to be more than one person, plus there would be some wounds. Correct. You're pulling him in so the legs are going to hit that bottom Correct. railing. Something Correct. is going to hit, at least on one of the victims, mm -hmm. I would think. Because I've scratched myself getting in and out of my pickup. Dude, I have scratched myself freaking turning over in bed. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it doesn't take much. Uh, yeah, and it's also important to note here that most of the abductions took place in broad daylight, so both of these scenarios wouldn't go completely unnoticed, in right. my opinion. Right, or the guy might just be kind of charismatic and uh, kind of, you know, maybe a good-looking guy. That's another thing I want to throw out there. Maybe he's one of those things like he may have known these girls. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Mike, how you doing? Yeah, like Charles Albright, the eyeball killer who um, was frequenting the prostitute area, and they trusted him. Right, exactly, you right. know. 
Or Ted Bundy, who just like was very good looking and can convince somebody to do anything. Exactly, it could have been the same thing. Yeah, yeah of course, Mike. I'll let me get in your car. We'll go for a quick drive or whatever. True. And uh, then it just goes awry. You're right. I mean, I see. I see what you're saying. So, and then she goes on to the next point. Is, and this is what hit me the hardest because, quite frankly, the mere thought of it scares the shit out of me. The unsub follows his victims at different times, planning out the best way to abduct them <coughs> and not raise suspicion. He most likely is the one that stops and offers them help or a ride when they need to where they need to go. This is a complete contradiction to the profile they received in 86 that said he's an opportunist uh-huh. who sees an opportunity and acts on it. Okay, that he, they said he does not stalk his victims. She says... That the unsub obviously exhibits predatory behavior because there's no freaking defensive wounds. Right. So it's not like he's an opportunity just snatching him when he can. Right, which okay. makes sense in perspective. So I'll take back what I said at the beginning. That, right. You know. No, no, that's what I said. I'm going to contradict you and I'm going to have fun doing it. Uh, you, you win that one. You win that round. Okay, thank you. Okay, this is what I also put. So basically, he hunts his victims as if he were on the trail of the elusive Sasquatch and was waiting for it to come out from behind a tree so he could dart it with a tranquilizer gun. (laughs) Yet he doesn't even make a sound and come out from behind the bushes, well, in this case, too close with his van until he sees the perfect opportunity. Okay? Right. The The victims don't even notice him because he's that stealthy. And after hearing this, I'm going to start looking over my shoulder and dry with my eyes on the rearview mirror like Charles Albright's mom. I still don't quite agree with that. I don't agree with the that selfie She part. thinks that he has been stalking these for days. No, stalking is one thing, but I would think that he's got a way to lure them in. Okay, I think, and I'll get into it in a second because you're going to notice a pattern in a minute. I believe, or there's another obvious scenario, and I'm bringing that into account too, but I think he's following these guys so much that when, like, for instance, when victim five, Linda's car broke down, he was in that area stalking her, noticed her car broke down, pulled up, said, do you need a ride? Okay. No, I can give that. You see what I'm saying? And was it victim three who was walking to the bus stop in the middle of the night because she had just come in on the red eye? And well, did he pull over and say, hey, would you like a ride home so you're not waiting here alone in the dark? Okay. I can I can accept that one, too, because he's traveling up and down. Nimitz that, Highway. That, the, yeah, all the time. Exactly. So it's a, it's a familiar van. Mm-hmm. It's a familiar car. You know, especially if it had anything that makes it kind of stand out a little bit. Right. Like. Um, or if he had any sort of, like, like, work uniform on or anything. Right. Something like that. Like, you know, um, everybody. I don't want to bring my truck into it. Uh, like your car. Yeah, my car's pretty, well, yeah. And if I saw that car passing by here every day, mm-hmm. and maybe it's parked outside or whatever, I would assume you belong in this neighborhood and that you're probably a safe person. Probably, yeah. Because you're visiting somebody or maybe you actually live here. And your but, neighbors haven't said, hey, look, who's that odd car? Right. The neighbors haven't said, who the fuck drives that strange-ass car right there? We haven't ever seen that before. Yeah, so, why is it always parked right over there? Yeah, so I would assume whoever has this car is supposed to be here. Okay, I can see that. I worked that out in my head. Yeah, well, now I, I literally check my rear mirror all the time. I do drive checking my mirrors a lot, <laughs> but no, more so. 
Okay. Dr. Mary Ellen O'Toole said that she found it quite odd that there were only five victims with absolutely nothing after Linda was discovered. And this is definitely a significant reason he appeared to suddenly stop. There is a significant reason why he appeared to suddenly stop, at least not in that area. Okay. uh, At least not committing anymore in that area. So I also turned up empty when I tried to do a search for murders in Hawaii. All I could find was there were two mass murders and some single to double murders, but nothing on the level of serial killer status and nothing with this MO. Oh, okay. Okay. So she presented three theories that might explain the reason. Number one is that he relocated to some other location, perhaps the mainland. Number two is that he is dead became permanently disabled to a point he is unable to carry out his initial, out his ritual, or had some other life-altering event. And I'll get into that in a minute, too. Makes sense. Okay. Or can it be he's incarcerated somewhere? But she says this theory is is the most likely not the reason, since most of the prisons across the country are actively collecting inmate DNA, And they started that back then from the inmates who were already housed there before this before this procedure was implemented, as well as from the every inmate that is processed through the intake unit, especially if they were convicted of a serious crime. Okay. Okay. so keep that in mind. I am going to go down and ask. I have to search. Okay. Find. Control V. Ha ha. I love my fine feature. Anyways, so now we have here. Um, okay, with this knowledge, and okay, with this knowledge and the knowledge of the first profile, do you think if they would have had a more accurate profile from the beginning, they could have maybe apprehended the unsub before he went to kill two more victims and if not and if Luisa and Linda still lost their lives um, would a more accurate profile have helped them to identify whether or not Howard Gay was in fact the predator yes okay. I think that then it would have helped to really say yay or nay you know, yeah if, uh, on his Howard. lifestyle everything else right you could look at a lot more variables and and more things that are being added yeah because they don't say what his freedom was while he was at work you know did he have the freedom to travel around and you know what i mean right like is he dumping him during his lunch period well we're assuming that he that he dumped him more at night in the evenings or nights when assumption. those areas were less populated and um Stuff like that, but did he have the freedom to stalk these victims continuously? Is right. what I'm getting at. Right, right. Okay, so that was one question I had. Um, okay, so after receiving the initial profile, also after they discovered Louise's body, the authorities began setting up a sting operation by using female officers and agents as decoys. Remember, I told you that? Oh, okay, yeah. Because they thought the unsub just wanted to grab some random woman off the streets. Okay, that was the profile they got back in 86. Right, okay. Okay, what do you think that with the new accurate, of which I would consider more accurate because she's a psychologist and everything, was that just a waste of valuable resources and 
do you think that since a more accurate profile suggests he stalked his victims for a while before he made his move, that the sudden appearance of new women in the area really didn't have any effect on him because he'd already targeted Linda as his next victim? Okay, so I, th- I don't think it was a waste of resources given what they had access to at the time, technology, okay. information, and things like that. That was, you know, they, they probably said, okay, this has worked in these cases before, so let's try this. Right, because I think nowadays people realize that no two serial killers are alike, unless they're copycats. Well, plus in this day and age, there's cameras everywhere. Oh, that too, yeah. Everywhere, everywhere. You know, you walk by an ATM machine. Well, there's a camera that just saw you. Right. You know, without you even using it. Yeah, and like freaking traffic cams and all that other right. shit. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit different. So I don't really think it was a waste. I okay. just think it was, that's what they had available and that's what right. they went with. Because my whole thought process was and why I asked that question is because they were assuming that if they, if he saw one of these female officers in a, you know, alone or whatever, that he would just nab them. But knowing now that he stalked them, you know, ahead of time, I believe he already had Linda picked out as his next victim. I think still all five girls knew who he was because of the lack of defensive wounds. Okay. I have another theory a little bit later, but I see your point. So these new girls popping up while they didn't know what I think is very was very ineffective because he's not they, they don't know who he is. You know what I mean? Right. Like he this hasn't made true. contact with them. This now, is true. Had he, because I'm sure they didn't just flood the streets with, with undercover agents. Correct. You know, it's probably just, what, two, three, maybe? You know, so Correct. Un- unless he is finding one of these agents and talking to her, kind of getting to know her, they still have right. no clue who he is. And there's no way to know that. Right. This is true. This is true. That's a needle in a haystack. That's like, yeah, it's it's like putting, uh, you know, like a hundred dollars in one random house in Portland and yeah. saying we're in a slot machine. Yeah. Or in a slot machine and say, hey, go find it. Right. No, I, I agree with you. And I'm wondering if that's why a lot of um, when they're doing like serial killers, you know, investigations and stuff now, too, they don't use like sting operations like they do for drug busts and right. prostitution busts because there's no way to like predict the actions of the serial killer that he will choose her. You know what I mean? As far right. as prostitution rings and stuff go, as long as the woman's walking down the street in booty shorts and fishnet stockings, some John's going to try to pick her up. Well, exactly. You know, uh, you got to think of population of, of cities. Honolulu's got a good population to it, but let's let's take Portland. Okay. Portland's got a couple hundred thousand people. In Correct. It. Okay. So you're looking for a serial killer, and this is a made-up serial killer, so don't follow me too this close. This is true. And girls. But, don't find um, a serial killer. That is into... Women that wear uh, knee-length skirts, brown uh, shirts, and have brown hair and brown eyes. True. Let's say you have a huge budget. Huge. And you put 50 of them out there. 50. Yeah. That's 50 out of a couple of hundred thousand. Right. And you have to guarantee, you have to pretty much guarantee that he's going to be in that area. Yeah, exactly. When you have those ladies out there. Exactly. You know, and mostly... From what I've seen, serial killers aren't picking up out of, like, a one-block radius. In Portland, it would probably be between, like, maybe True. Gresham and, uh, and Southwest Portland, like, maybe even right. all the way out to Beaverton. 
Right. The only instance I found that it was the immediate area was with the Charles Albright case where he picked three right. of his victim, you know, two of his victims right there in front of that hotel. And then another one after they released that to the public, he found at another location. But it wasn't that far away. Right. Right. I so, mean, there, there's yeah, always some variables. There are some, but, but um, very rarely do they they call them like the what do they call it? The comfort zone or something like that. I got an easier way to put it. You don't piss in your own uh, in Yeah, your own pretty kitchen. much. It's like, because they usually hunt outside of their where they live. Yeah. You know, because they don't want to draw attention to themselves. Right. Yeah. Because your neighbors, like, if I was to commit something. Yeah, and, my neighbors are nosy as fuck. And, uh, and the police were canvassing my area, and they said, hey, we're looking for a five foot ten bald dude who has a big ass. Not a six foot two black guy with dreadlocks. Yeah, no, because of fucking Vancouver PD. You know, and they're canvassing this area. And so, well, what kind of car does he drive? He drives a Ford F one fifty. It's blue and it has a camper shelter. Dude, that's Scott. He lives right here. Yeah. This is where he's at. Right here. Boom. You yeah. know, but if I do that in let's say Gresham. Yeah. Or yeah, even like you know, downtown Portland. Yeah. Right. Any place like that that's not in my living area, they're gonna be looking. You know, but yeah, how, you could probably even go to East Vancouver and do it, but still, yeah, yeah, maybe. But yeah, the I, I'm gonna blend in because there's a larger populace. Correct. You know what I mean? There's there's a lot of guys who drive blue F one fifties that have a camper shell, and on. they probably wouldn't say blue; they'd probably say dark colored, blue or dark colored, right? Blue yeah, or dark colored. And there's a lot of guys who have a big ass like mine that shaved their head. This is true. My best friend's husband has a bald head and he's kind of bigger. Yeah, we're not even talking about Dan because he's Okay, a that's another show where we make fun of him. Still going to make fun of him. He drinks box wine. It's disgusting. <laughs> like a pig. Okay. Um, no, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, but that's that's why. Yeah. You know, you, you don't, uh, what is it? Oh, you don't shit in your backyard. Your yeah. own backyard. That's the other thing that I had heard. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You don't piss in your own Wheaties. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. You piss in someone else's. <laughs> True. I have one of those sores in my nose because of the allergy season, and it's really bugging me. Sure it's not drugs? Shut up. I don't do drugs anymore. <laughs> so after, okay, so I'm going to pose an earlier victim to you, and I'll let you decide. I already have my theories, but I'm going to let you just... Actually, I'm going to give you this, and then I'm going to ask you some questions. All right. Give it to me. So, after hearing this new profile, the investigators on the show um, began to dig deeper, and they offered up a possible earlier victim. Now, after I heard the name, I did some digging myself, and I found out some very intriguing information about Hawaii... This is Hawaii's most notorious cold case. Right. Well, you think... No, I'm not talking about the five. I'm talking oh, about this oh. earlier one here. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, this one dates back to January 21st of 1982. Oh, okay, so just yeah. a little bit sooner. Yeah, she is the most notorious cold case that they have. <laughs> now, um, I'm going to let, like I said, I'm going to present it to you. I'm going to let you roll it in your mind as I pre- present some more information because I have a bunch of questions after, you know, after I present this to you that I'm going to ask you, okay? All right. And, but there's a reason. I promise. <laughs> okay. On January 21st of 1982, it was the last day 19-year-old Lisa O was seen alive. It's A-U, Lisa A-U, if you want to look her up. Okay. It would be 10 days before her remains were discovered. The day, um, okay, that day, the tenth on the 10th day, a man was out for his daily run with his dog when the dog seemed to get really jittery when they came upon a thick brush area. Okay, yeah. Okay? That's when he saw the decomposing body of a young girl. 
He quickly notified the authorities, and when the authorities arrived, they noticed Lisa was completely, completely, and well into the decomposition decomposition stage. Okay. Okay. Yeah, After ten days. ten days, Hawaii with warm the climate. heat, yeah. the warm climate, the salt air, all that. Okay. Now. When you look at Lisa, she fits the age and appearance of the type of victim the Honolulu Strangler targeted. And when they began to investigate the murder, authorities discovered that her vehicle had been found and impounded after it was abandoned on the, I knew I was going to mess this up, Kalana, Kalania Niole, sorry, highway in Kailua. Some witnesses, including another officer, reported seeing another vehicle behind her car, and they believe it was a police car. Ooh. Okay? Now, I'll get into that in a second here. Um, The medical examiner's report states that there wasn't any evidence to indicate her limbs were bound, and there was no strapping tape anywhere on her person. But it's important to note the area her vehicle was located is a very high traffic area. And investigators believe that logic dictates she was abducted from there where her vehicle was found and murdered at another location. Okay, okay so sense, they're yeah. not going to just murder her in a high traffic area. Okay. No vehicle, when the vehicle was discovered, her purse was just laying on the front passenger seat and her body was then found on the other side of the mountain back through the tunnel. So it was quite a distance away from where her vehicle was. Okay. And during this period of time also, because, you know, some said it might have been a police officer. And normally people would think, okay, don't you know what a police car looks like? Right? That's Mm. what I thought. Okay. Mm, Yeah, maybe. Okay. Well, this explains it. During the 80s, officers actually drove, HPD officers actually drove their own vehicles and not the cruisers that they use today. Oh, okay. Okay. So one of the investigating officers theorized that she was placed under, quote unquote, placed under arrest for a phony offense because no woman he knows would just get out of her vehicle in a normal situation and leave her purse behind. That's true. Okay. Also, when they took a look at the call log for that particular day, though, they could find no record of a stop ever being made. So they're like, could it have been a cop? But there's no record of a stop being made. So it couldn't have been a cop. Right. Hold on. Because seriously, I know I'm going to address that here in a second. Okay. Okay. No. So that's why I'm saying that there was confusion there for the for those wondering why this is so significant. It is standard operating procedure. SOP for an officer to radio into dispatch when they make a traffic stop. And the clerk would then make a note of that in the call log. Right. Okay. However, I'm going to go on. Major Gary Diaz, was the, who was the head detective on the case, believed with all of his heart until the day he died on July 16th, 2021, which was just a couple weeks ago or last week sometime. That a fellow police officer was actually involved with Lisa's abduction, and I'll I'll get into more of it here in a minute, and brutal murder. Because apparently that officer came forward as a witness saying he saw what looked to be another police officer. He's the cop that reported, gave a Uh. witness statement on the day she went missing and was actually brought, and he was actually brought in for questioning about his possible involvement. 
And the day after he was questioned, he turned in his badge and service weapon and voluntarily quit the police force before he moved to the mainland. Now, this officer's name is nowhere to be found because he is still it's still an open case. Therefore, his name has was never logged for public release. But I'm going to ask you something else. I'm going to write this down so um, I don't forget where I was. So hang on because I have to scroll up and down. You got me hanging. You know, I, I like that, though. Cliffhanger, <laughs> right? Now, <clears throat> let me go back here. I want to take a look at this case for a second. Now, I don't believe, but I'm going to ask you if you think Lisa was the first victim of the Honolulu Strangler. That was the one that we were just now talking about? Right. And and that time, because he was still so new at the killing thing and hadn't found his rhythm, so to speak, therefore his technique and method wouldn't have been as evolved until he found a way to make it quick and efficient. Nope, I think she's probably the third or fourth. Lisa? She was in 1982. That was the that was the one we were just talking about, right? Right. Where they think it was a cop that did it? Yes. I think that she that that she was actually probably a couple of them in there. I think the other ones in my head cuz you So you don't a, think it was a cop? No, I think it was definitely a cop. Okay, well, we'll that's what I'm to, asking cuz we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. You said if you if I thought that was the first Honolulu strangler victim. I think cuz you brought up something I think it was in part one. Uh, it could have been this one here with the profile that said, hey, why didn't the killer drag her out to the middle of the jungles where she'd never be found? I think that may have happened. But keep in mind, the cops are driving their own personal cars, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to kind of notice a fellow officer's car parked off to the side of the road near the jungle. Right. You're going to go, hey, isn't that Bill's station wagon? Right, because it's important to note here that Lisa's body was not found in water. Right. No, I dig that. Right. So I'm thinking hers being that close to the road or being able to be found in some brush. Yeah, she was hidden away, you know, kind of hidden under some brush. And she wasn't and she was only found by accident because of the dog. Right. I'm thinking that was the thing. where Okay, I know that I can't keep my car parked because people know that my car's a cop car because I'm a cop. So you find a place that is a little bit easier to access where you can dispose of the body, cover it up and get the hell out of there before somebody looks and goes, hey, is that Bill's car? Or whatever the guy's name is. I'm just making up Bill. No, I know you are because we don't know his name. Well, it's for our listeners. I'll be pretty freaking. I wouldn't be shocked if his name was Bill because you have that fucking uncanny knack. (laughs) Okay, so that's what I was going to ask you next, because the theory is that Lisa's killer could have been a cop. And since we know the unsub in the five known victims was able to abduct all of them without any obvious struggle, do you think he was a cop or impersonated cop so they willingly complied? Ooh, that's a tough one. I would think once uh, a cop actually makes more sense, and let me tell you why. So what do cops do? They work a beat, right? Mm-hmm. So they know their area. Correct. So you know that... M- and they're familiar with... Everything that goes on in that area. Right, which makes sense. Right. You know, in any in any business structure, right. that makes sense. Uh, even for the trucking gig, there's those of us, like, I run the coast. That's, you know, I mostly head out to the coast, and sometimes I got to run I-5, but mostly that's, that's my deal is I run the coast. Mm-hmm. Because I know that. I know my customers. I know where I'm going. Right. It limits problems. So be cops the same way. So you wouldn't necessarily find cop number one. Over in cop number two's 
Right. This area. is true. Because what the fuck would he be on patrol over there for? That's Correct. not his beat. And I'm pretty sure that the cops that work that area would be like, dude, why are you kind of copping around over here? This isn't your this isn't your beat, man. So I'm thinking the cop theory makes the most sense only because you're 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 somebody that somebody sees every day. Right. Okay. You're a person of authority. Okay. You've got your cop car. You've got your cop uniform. Mm-hmm. You know, you got your little badgy, badgy, badgy going on. Mm-hmm. You know, so you pull over, let's say Lisa. Mm-hmm. You know, you woo. You pull over and Lisa's looking going, why the fuck is Bill pulling me over? Yeah, why is this cop pulling me over? over? Now, you, you've seen this cop before because, like I said, because yeah, Hawaii is not that big. It's not period. Like, it's not like Los Angeles or yeah, anything like which that. Which is why I don't understand high speed chases over there. But whatever. Yeah, that makes no sense. So, yeah, they're not going anywhere. It's yeah. an island. Yeah, exactly. What are they gonna do? Drive to the ocean? But um, you know, so you pull over. You go, hey, what's going on? You've seen the cop before, so you know it's a cop, right? And the, hey, you fit the description of uh, this woman who just. Or I saw a tail light out, or anything. Yeah. You're going for an arrest. You're going to cuff. This cuff. is true. So, this is true. You know. So, or he could have just pulled her over and said, "I suspect you've been drinking. I need to take you down." Or what? Anything. Yeah. Whatever he says. Yeah. Anything. You know, it's it's inconsequential. Gets her cuffed. Okay, gets her into the back of the car. Mm-hmm. So she's subdued. Mm-hmm. The only... V- so he's in control the whole time. Oh, right. The only weird thing is that you said on Lisa, they didn't find that she that her her hands had been Right, bound. but she was also in the middle of the brush and stuff where more wild animals were. So the binding, if it wasn't the same paracord, could have been, you know... Well, it I mean, could have been taken care of with the wild okay, animals. But what I'm thinking is like, if you're, because I've been handcuffed before, surprisingly. <laughs> when you're in the back of a cop car. That's true. It does leave marks. And we're not talking about the newer ones that have the little cutout. No, I know what you're saying. The older ones didn't have that. It was just it was a fucking seat. Yeah. So you're, you're going to have the marks. back there and you're like this, right? Mm-hmm. I got to get over here. I'm no, I know my... what you're saying. So you're. You're not going to lean forward like I am right now. No, what are you going to do? No, you're going to sit back mm-hmm. and you're going to put that pressure on your arms and it's going to cause marks. Right. And even in the chair that I'm in that has a little cutout back here for lumbar support, I can still feel the pressure from my back onto my right. wrist. So it's Now, after be... 10 days, would that marking still be and that's what visible I'm wondering. is what I'm wondering. That's what I'm wondering is if, there's gonna, if there would still be any remaining... Marks. Marks, bruises. Okay, so if the theory is like this this officer felt, then what explains the other four murders if it was this cop specifically that did it? I'm going to tell you. Okay. Because he's getting smarter. He's evolving. So he, so, okay, so you're saying that he gave the illusion that he was moving back to the mainland. Yeah, could have. Okay. Did they say, yeah, hey, we confirmed that Bill moved over there? Well, no, they just said that he turned in his badge and his service weapon and moved back to the mainland. They didn't say, confirm that, you know, we have his address. But he could have went back and, that you know, got the airplane ticket and then come back another way. Or and, under an assumed name. Which would actually, something that just dawned on me that would make sense. So, I mentioned that... And in 86, it was easy to assume an alias... And fly. You didn't really have to show ID back then. Well, I had mentioned that there was a real. It was really odd, the uh, the cooling off period. True. In between his his killings. Right. 
So he goes to the mainland. Right. And okay. I'm going to bring up some more part about the original. I mean, if you think that Vicky was the first one, I'm going to talk about that cooling off the not the eight months. I'll talk about. that. Oh, no, I'm going to address that right fucking okay. now. So you're still a cop, right? Mm hmm. You fly. You go to the mainland. You're in Los Angeles. You know, mm -hmm. City of Angels. Let's go to Hollywood. Oh, yeah, because lots of murders happen there. Okay. So, you know, everybody in your department knows that you are you were a cop in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. So you obviously still have ties in Hawaii, right? You didn't just leave everything behind like your friends. Right. So maybe you catch a flight every once in a while. Hey, guys, it's going to be great. I'm going to fly back to Hawaii, you know, spend a couple of days right. there, hang out with some friends because, hey, it's Hawaii. Right. And I'll be back, you yeah, know? Yeah, because it was eight, a little over eight months between Vicky's murder and, um, oh my gosh, I'm going to forget her name and I am so freaking sorry. Regina's. Right. Which was victim two. Then it was only 16 days until Denise's murder, who was victim three, known victim number so, three. So he's still in that area for those 16 days. Yeah, he's on vacation. He got himself a couple of weeks vacation. He said, and okay. he took an extended vacation. And then it was two months between victim three and, I mean, between Regina and Louise. So he flies back to, he still has to go back to work. This is true. Even though he's a serial killer, whether it's the cop or not, serial killers still need to eat food, right? This is true. They need, they need the basic they, human And they needs. have to show some sort of normalcy. Even if they're out of their fucking mind. Okay. okay? People need basically, you need food, you need water, you need shelter. Right. How do you get that? You get that by working. Right. Yeah, unless you live in a liberal state, then that's different. Like Oregon, and then it gets handed to you. Yeah, they get handed to But uh, so he goes back to work. Mm -hmm. Everything's cool, right? Then two months later, he goes, hey, you know what? Maybe I have an emergency back in Honolulu. Yeah, because there's no saying that he didn't have family or anything there either. Right, you know, or he could just said, yeah, yeah, I guess being a cop's a stressful job. He's like, mm -hmm. hey, you know what? I got a little bit more time off. I'm going to, you know, spend four days. Right, and then it was a little less than a month they murdered um, Linda, that right. the person murdered Linda. Right, so, so maybe he just took another extended vacation. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, you and know. if he was on family leave, yeah, or, maybe, you know, maybe he, yeah, maybe he's on family leave, bereavement or anything like that. Yeah, you know, my my great aunt uh, Gladys died, okay. and I need to go help my family out. Boom, he right. flies back. It's a good alibi. Okay, you know, but now he's not driving his cop car, is he? This is true. He's driving a different car, so nobody's looking for the and cop car. It could car. be a van that he rented. Could be a van. You're right. No, I'm, I mean, I'm tell I mean, and I'm saying all this and I, like I said, I'll present some more information to you here because, you know, um, and since Lisa's case is still an open cold case and therefore there's no definitive definitive proof that she wasn't an early victim of gays. If he were the if he were the Honolulu Strangler strangler, nor is there proof that there wasn't another perpetrator altogether. Like Correct. people are going off gays, the killer. OK, now, you know, because and if. There's no proof that there wasn't somebody else, okay? That is true. Do you think the existence of another possible suspect in this initial is the initial reason prosecutors chose not to prosecute Gay at the time? Ah, that's a tough one. No, because there really wasn't any evidence really against him, it didn't sound like. Right, not just that. It's all circumstantial. They didn't even link 
Lisa Owls, Owls murder to those five. Right, right, and right. And she still hasn't been linked to them. I because honestly the signature wasn't there. Would be checking out that cop because maybe I don't know how long airlines hold fucking records, but maybe he was flying back and forth. Maybe you it's know? a possibility. I mean, like I said, you know, like I said, it, it's all a possibility. Okay? The ultimate control comes from law enforcement. Okay, because mm-hmm. while I do, I absolutely hate Vancouver PD. Right, right. When I have been cuffed and put into that back of cars for. No reason, literally, because I made, I, I made right. a description of a six foot seven black guy with dreadlocks, and I'm not that. Not even close. I, you know, I'm not. Unless I'm colorblind and all that. So. I'm not giving that cop a whole lot of shit. True. You know, and I'm a pretty big, burly guy. And I so some little demure woman isn't going to fight back either or argue. They're exactly. just going to do what they're supposed to do. Because you have intimidation on your side. Right. Number and one, everybody has that intimidation when it comes to police and law enforcement. Well, I was going to say, even if it's somebody who's really small and frail by himself, once you put that cop suit on, yeah, that's some intimidation going right. on. No, I agree. You know, so let's say it's just an average-sized cop. You're a small, uh, you know, a small-framed woman. It's pretty easy for a cop to go, okay, you're going to get out. I'm going to handcuff you and put you back in my car. Back. Okay, I'm not going to give this cop shit. Right. No, I, I agree with you. Okay, now let's look at this. Hang on. I'm going to pr- propose another possible suspect here. Okay? Now, possible existence of another suspect. Okay? Not that cop that, you know, they think killed Lisa. Not Howard Gate. Somebody completely different. You ready for this one? Jesus H. Christ. I know. You love me when I do this shit. I hate it because now you take me down a damn rabbit trail. No. No, because now you have, I want you to look at it from another perspective. Now... Will Hoover, who was a reporter working for Honolulu Star Advisor, Advertiser, he's a local newspaper reporter, would spend a lot of time writing about the Honolulu Strangler case. Okay? He buys into the theory that the unsub was, at the very least, posing as a police officer I to allure his victims into the van without a struggle. It's either that or he thinks that perhaps the unsub was in the military. Okay, so he's buying into the theory that, A, they're posing, at least posing as a cop or possibly military, because like I said, that area is has a substantial presence of military personnel stationed on the island. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Now, during that time, uh, during the time that the murders were being committed, there was actually a guy that lived on the island named William Stevens. Stevens was an was active in the military while he lived in Hawaii, and he later moved to the Emerald City, Seattle, Washington. Okay, Ooh. wait, I'm not done. It's a great killing ground. Yeah, and and he moved shortly after the last victim was killed, <laughs> victim five. Okay, in 1989, he was actually arrested and brought in for questioning as a potential suspect in the Green River case. Remember how she said he could have been a Green River copycat? So, Seattle authorities um, procure a search warrant for his house, and while they were searching it, they noticed the presence of some police and military uniforms. (laughs) Granted, he had a valid reason for having military uniforms in his closet, since he is or was in the military, 
However, he had absolutely no legitimate reason for having the police uniforms in his position. It's for this reason Hoover doesn't believe, well, at least he's not convinced, and I'll give you a quote from him in a second, that Gay was the Honolulu Strangler. Okay. The suspect I don't think he was Honolulu either. I got to agree. Okay, now, hang on. <laughs> Will Hoover says, and I'm going to quote him, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, he believes Gay is responsible. Tuesdays and Thursdays and Fridays, he's not so convinced. Oh, shit. And I try not to even think about it on Sundays. I am so lost. I don't think that Gay was the, the, the killer at, at freaking all. Okay. Well, I will give you some more here in a minute, but hang on. Like I said, I'm going to... This one here is way more convoluted than the tube sock killing. Do we need a part three to this? No. No, I'm I'm pretty much close. Okay, because we're coming up on that hour mark. Questions, huh? You just be quiet over there. Oh, talk, don't talk, talk, don't talk. No, I, you talk when I ask you to talk. Oh my when spoken God. to, Scott. I knew you were going to come up with that <laughs> one there. Know your place, Scott. You're a bitch. That's you talk right, spoken to. Scott. See the on. abuse I take, guys. See the abuse I take. You guys don't hear what he gives to me on a daily basis, so. Oh my God. He's always telling me to know my role. How could you lie to our listening audience like that? Now, here we are. With this information that I just gave you about the guy that was arrested in question in Seattle in regards to the Green River case. Since Dr. O'Toole said it was possible the Honolulu Stranger may have been a Green River copycat, do you think the stuff that the Seattle authorities discovered while searching his house suggests he he was just that, a Green River copycat? And that's why he left these five victims in the water. If it was him, now where are the police uniforms from? Are they Seattle police they uniforms? Didn't say, are they but Honolulu? It doesn't mean any. I don't think that's important because the person doesn't. When they're pulled over and they're under that stress, they don't say, "Wait a minute, that doesn't say Honolulu." They see the badge, they see the blue uniform. That's all that they see. I disagree. I disagree. Okay, so well, not everybody's you, Scott. Because it's not. No, it's not the fact of that I pick up on every small little detail of everything. No, because it's, it's that... often mentioned how so-and-so impersonated a cop to pull... I mean, there's a couple uh, two guys down in Florida that I want to feature. They didn't even have anything but a phony badge, and they were able to lure victims. Cop pulls you over. What's the first thing that you look at? His lights. And... His fucking lights. No, and then you notice his uniform. You see his badge, and you notice the holster. So, if it says Honolulu PD on it, that would make sense. Okay, but if but, it said something like Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay, but let's say, for instance, there was no no like emblem saying where he was from. I don't look very closely at the badge and say, oh, that doesn't say Honolulu. I do. Well, like I said, not everybody's you, Scott. And okay. if you're a 17-year-old little girl, you're not going to. No, they get into my van for free Wi-Fi. That dead side. That's why he doesn't drive a van. <laughs> Thank God. No, my Ford F-150 does okay. fine. I have, I have racks in the back, so they're stackable. Okay. Now, um, now, oh, and that was my next question, is if you thought he might have been connected to the Honolulu Strangler case, because they stopped around in Honolulu at the same time he left the <laughs> island. I would think that's a possibility, because, it, okay, so if you have the police uniform, mm-hmm. changing out the badges can't, uh, and, and the patches... Mm-hmm. Can't be too hard. It's not, honestly. Yeah, you just sew the damn things on. Yeah. It's not a huge deal. Yeah. 
Or so, you have ones that have multiple ones, you know. Yeah, no, that's true. So you know, um, so I think that's a definite possibility. Okay. And especially with him moving to a place like Seattle, because Seattle, the the whole Pacific Northwest is kind of like Wisconsin, full of serial killers. You know, and that's true because we have to remember that the Green River Killer and Ted Bundy were. Even though Ted Bundy was caught way before that Green River was, they had they were inter. I mean, they overlapped each other so much so that they thought Bundy was the Green River Killer until he was in custody, and they kept going. Well, from what I read, I think that Bundy may have known Ridgeway. Well, he did give them information to well. catch him, so maybe they were very close friends. I and instead they're... of just coming out and saying, this is who you're looking for, he gave them hints to catch him. Right. He, I think he knew a little too much. That's my whole thing. Yeah. You know, so I... Yeah. There is that possibility, but no. With I, this guy, I'm yeah. just, you know... I'm thinking that he's, he's looking at what Ridgeway was doing. Yeah, he was seeing the reports because the first victim, if Lisa O was the first victim, he left her in the bush, in I the bushes. That, I think that's three and victims And then the in. reports are coming out that the Green River Killer is leaving people in the water. And then maybe he goes, why would he do that? And oh, then kind of searches about water. And then it's like, oh, th- my victims are going in water I think that there's bodies from this dude that they have discovered, but they're nothing but bones. Could be. You know, or haven't discovered at all. This is true. I think. Because there's no way somebody just went out and started killing those five women and knew a perfected signature from well, the beginning. Even with your first Lisa chick, that the, 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 the one that we right. were saying, I think that was. One of the practice ones? I think that's one of the practice ones. I think that there's other bodies on that island. Oh, yeah. That I'm sure of it. That if they have found them yet. Or nothing, we're, we're nothing but bones, so there's no, yeah. nothing. It's just like, or hey, we found just attribute it to, A, they got lost in the fucking jungle. Yeah. Or, B, it's one of these single, you know, single random murders. Yeah, a one-up. Because there's no, like, signature calling card. Right. I think that by the time he hit Lisa, is it probably about the time he goes, you know, had that light bulb moment, like, you're hearing about Ridgeway. You know, well, they, we didn't know it was Ridgeway at the time. It was Green River. You know, well, why would he put him into water? Wait a minute. I'm surrounded by water. There's water everywhere. There has to be a significance to it. What happens when we find an animal in the water? Oh, because of bacteria and Yeah, and it also, and it also aids in more de- faster decomposition. Exactly. So, yes. Oh, that makes sense. I think that I, I would venture to say, and I wish I could prove it, but I, I would wager good money that... That Lisa was probably two or three in. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. No, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying. And like you, I said. How do you perfect your craft? How do you perfect oh, your you craft? Oh, you practice. You practice. You practice. And, and that's what they say. I mean, because serial killers from the beginning, though, they say it, it's a like one that you, like shows the signs from when they're a child. They start with animals. Yeah. They start with animals and then they progress and then they start assaulting people. And then they once they get that down, then they progress to something else. And, yeah, it's all about know, the progression. It, it is. It's about growing yeah, at your craft. Because there's no way, and I do not believe for a fact, that Vicky was the first victim. No, I don't, like I said, I don't even think that Lisa was, too was the perfected, first. perfected, and then eight months later, it's that same signature, perfect signature? Yeah. No way. Yeah, there's no way. No this way guy's been This guy's been practicing. Yes, exactly. I would venture to say, if Lisa's... The, uh, what I think she is, which is just the one that they found. Of. 
I would think that she's at least two or three in. Ah. He's growing. He's perfect. He was perfecting what he does. Correct. No, this is true. Ah. A, a mechanic can't just, you know, isn't just born and goes and says, hey, I'm going to like rebuild the motor. No, they learn. They develop. They practice. Right. You know, and it's, it's no different with this guy. I still say three or four bodies in. You think so? Okay. Yep. No, I agree. I mean, I will probably agree with you here, but give me a second. Okay? Okay. We're going to start talking about the autopsy reports. Because I only have the autopsy. They're, I'm focusing on the fir- the five known victims. Okay. Okay? Now, I wanted to wait to do them instead of doing them at each time because I think it's significant, significant to, like, um, compare them side by side. I agree. Okay. Now. In 2018, Dr. Kanthi Daoui, she's a retired pathologist who worked in the medical examiner's office. She was brought in to consult for the autopsies, and she gave her assessment on these reports. And some of the information in the pathology reports is going to be very important, okay? Okay. Victim number one, Vicki Gale Purdy. While conducting Vicky's autopsy, the medical examiner noted that she had ligature marks on her neck, indicating she was strangled with some sort of belt or type of rope that is not similar to the other four victims because none of them, not one of them had ligature marks. Okay. Okay. She did not die immediately which is indicated by the other injuries she had. There was evidence indicating she struggled while being strangled. When all five of the victim's injuries were compared, she had the most defensive wounds, which shows that her hands were actually free to struggle while she was being strangled, and she had signs of vertical abrasions on her neck around the ligature marks, which indicate she had scratched her neck trying to get free. This suggests that the unsub then bound her wrists Postmortem makes sense, and okay. the rest of them is his evolution. Right, and you said number one. I am sticking with what I said. I would bet Vicky is five, six in. Yeah, I don't time. think I don't think she was the first. Fuck but no, I do is she? not think, huh? Fuck no, she's not. Yeah, no. And there was also evidence of a sexual assault during the autopsy. The pathologist took vaginal swabs and tests indicated the presence of two to three sperm. And I'll explain what this means in a minute. Okay. Did they save them? Huh? Did they save the sperm? Yes, they did. Sweet. However, no, I I mean, I'll get into that in a minute because no DNA has ever been run on them, but I'll explain later in a sec. I'll explain this all at the end. Okay. This part will tie in at the end and it'll say why now victim two regina sakamoto her autopsy showed that she too was strangled to death however she didn't have the ligature marks that vicky had which would indicate he most likely strangled her manually okay yeah okay vaginal swabs were tested and were shown to have very high levels of acid Phosphatase, which is an enzyme presented in male ejaculate. Now, I'll get why this, I'll tell you why that is important right now. There were no actual sperm detected in the samples taken, which would indicate two things. Number one, the unsub had a vasectomy, or number two, he wasn't ejaculating a lot of sperm for some other medical reason. Okay. Okay. Probably a vasectomy. Okay. 
Now, victim number three, Denise Hughes. When Denise's body was recovered, it was already in moderate stages of decomposition, which complicated things. Yeah. They didn't get enough, I mean, as much physical evidence off of her. Okay. Although vaginal swabs were collected, the level of decomposition prevented the pathologist from detecting any evidence of acid phosphatase or sperm. Okay. Okay. Although the autopsy did show that she had been strangled to death, the level of decomposition prevented the medical examiner from detecting any signs of defensive wounds around the neck. However, there were no epithelial cells present under her fingernails, so it's assumed she didn't have the opportunity to destroy to struggle like Vicky did. Evolution. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying here. Number four, Louise Medeiros. When Louise's body was recovered, she had already been in the water for a significant amount of time, which prevented the pathologist from collecting as much evidence as they were able to do in the previous three. They were able to note that she had tissue missing in some areas, but this was most likely due to the fact she was exposed to the elements for some time and wildlife in the area probably started to scavenge her remains. That makes sense, yeah. Okay. They were able to determine that she too had been sexually assaulted and strangled to death only because of the um, trauma to the vaginal area. Okay. Okay. Now, victim five, Linda Pesci. When the medical examiner performed the autopsy, they noted that Linda had also been sexually assaulted, and it was also determined that she, too, had been strangled, probably manually. Okay. Okay. Vaginal swabs showed there were elevated levels of this acid phosphatase. However, the test also detected one to two sperm, which is possible with individuals who have had vasectomies. There you go. Right. Now. Given the vasectomies, how they did it at that time as opposed to how they do it now. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because back then they just tied your tubes off and that was it, which caused some failures. And then in my case, they cut and burned them. (laughs) Yeah, because I have a friend whose husband had a vasectomy and he got a call saying, um, not all of, I can't remember how it was coded, but it was funny. And then the, and because he left a voicemail, he goes, I repeat. The, the something is not safe for something. And it was like, dude, just tell him he has too much sperm. Um, yeah. Hang on here. We, I have to. Okay. Now, I want to take a look at these autopsy reports. Okay. When you compare all of them, even with the levels of decomposition in Denise and Louise exhibited, doesn't it seem there's only one significant difference? The fact that Vicky had, when we compare them all side by side, the defensive wounds found on Vicky were significant. Because she had, was the first one. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. If so, what do you think this means? Do you think it perhaps suggests Vicky may in actuality either A, been the first victim after all, since there was no evident evolution in his MO from Vicky's to Regina's, or was there okay no that's that's the question i have something else in a second so do you think it suggests she was number one and the evolution happened between vicky and regina or do you believe that at some point he was like you know what it's easier if i tie them off you know 
he had been killing all along. He's like, you know what? This has got to be easier. And he I kept I think it's all evolving. part of the evolution. I think he started off with trying to get him into the jungle and then realizing, hey, <clears throat> time is of the essence. Correct. So if they see my car parked here, mm-hmm. other cops that work this beat or people that know me, they're going to know. Right. <laughs> so then you get the first one that's covered up with brush and people and who kind of live off in those areas recognize strange vehicles. I mean, I'm not even going to bring up every time a strange car drives into Cherry Grove. You know, then it's like the phone chain goes. Well, Cherry Grove just hopes that they get a fork well, in their family tree. But no, um, Cherry Grove just hopes that nobody comes out and discovers the bodies out there. No shit. Uh, so you get the first one, Lisa, who's mm-hmm. buried quickly, hidden. Yeah, she's get hidden in, get very in, well. Get out. Yeah. Okay. Then you have our second one, uh, Vicky. Right. Our okay. next one. Our, our next one, rather, because I, like I said, I'm sticking with that. Lisa's at least two, three in. But um, so we have our next one, and she's got the defensive wounds because her hands weren't bound. Right. So, at some point, or maybe while, he was afraid that they'd start scratching him. Well, okay, so her arms are free, right? Right. So at some point, you need to take care of these arms because you don't want to get hurt. Correct. You bind them. Yeah, because if you are, A, a cop, and you start showing up to work with scratch marks visible, somebody's going to question that. Yes, yeah, so, dude, you didn't cut yourself shaving, did you? What the hell are you shaving with, a cat? Yeah, dude. Hell? Some you know, rough night last night? Yeah, rough night last night. So he binds them, and that's when he has the idea, because he's... He's already thought about, he's already heard about uh, the Green River. So he goes, okay, this has to wind up in water. So we know that already. Part of the evolution. He's like, hey, why am I not binding their hands behind them? First. First. Because that gives me ultimate control. It gives me, if I'm raping them, I have something to hold on to. Right. They can't, uh, you know, they can't scratch me. It incapacitates them. Part okay. of the evolution. Right. Okay. So, okay. So then my next question is, because I'm trying to go, I'm trying to use two theories here. And it's going to get a little confusing. So I'm going to, let's assume for arguments purposes that Regina, not that Vicky was his first one. And you consider there was an eight month cooling off period between the time he murdered Vicky and the time he murdered Regina. Why then was there such a drastic escalation by the time he murdered Denise? The 16 days. Opportunity. I'm sticking with whoever it is may have gone to the mainland. It could okay. have been that cop. It could have been no, the one I, that's in I Seattle. I know what you're saying. You know, and it's time because the serial killer still has to eat. Right. He's got he's to have a job of some sort. Right. Do you think it could have been, though, that he was um, trying to figure out a way to reduce the struggle in his victims, too? No. I think it was a matter of opportunity. Okay. I think it was in that. Okay. So he flies back, right? Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it even better. He's spending a span of time. He gets the, he gets, uh, Regina. Uh huh. 16 days later, he gets the next one or is, Uh okay. So, um, yeah. So 16 days later, he's, he, he's already gotten one. Now he's got to stalk his next victim. Yeah. Kind of get, the vibe going on, right? Like, hey, right, right, this right. is where she's going. And there's no saying that if he is, if Lisa is a, is a victim, that he didn't stalk her ahead of time, too. And and I'm pretty sure that he did, along with the other ones that they haven't yeah. found or have found. But also, he's got to return. 
to work, right? So time is of the essence. Correct. You, you're on a time schedule. You're Correct. on a time frame. Correct. You don't have this unlimited amount of time because you're no longer living in Honolulu. You're living in Seattle or you're living in Los Angeles. Well, you're no, living if, more this, if it's the guy from Seattle, he was there this whole time. Oh. He was there the whole time. He didn't leave Honolulu till after the first victim when he moved to Seattle. Oh, okay. The cop is the one that moved right after. Okay, Lisa. I was assuming that no, Seattle dude no, was there. No, that's the whole thing too. That's why. Okay, I'm so out it's the cop. So here. let's say the cop. He's got to go back to work. Right. Let, well, and let's even say it's this military guy. He's got to be on base all the time. Yeah. You, at certain points. You you got to go to work. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Because if you he's not have, on base, it's reported. You have a time frame that you have to mm-hmm. operate in. That's why I'm going with like he doesn't live there in Honolulu. He lives on the mainland. Okay. Because then, sixteen days, man, that's a quick es- escalation. But to to drag it out over two months for the next one, or how how long was it? It was a uh, little over, over two, months two months for the fourth victim. Yeah, uh, over or under something like that doesn't fit normality when it comes to this. So he still has time off. Right. Well, I have a theory about that, too, if we consider he's the guy from Seattle. Because when you're working a military base, you know, the time, the longer time frames indicates he had no time. But the two weeks could indicate he was on leave or vacation or whatever. A lot of my military friends have mentioned that when they've worked on bases, like Air Force bases, things like that, you can catch a hopper. Yes, so that's you, exactly you know, it right there. Yeah, you go, hey, you guys are flying over to Honolulu. I want to go party. I'm on leave. Can I go? Yeah, get on the fucking plane. Right, but if he's already in Hawaii is what I'm seeing, because he would have been there that whole time. This military guy was there that whole, in Hawaii the whole time. Gotcha. Okay. Well. Yeah. I know. It's it's confusing sometimes. I mean, the only reason why I know is because I have my notes. Fucking but, heads exploding um, right now. No, because you have – there's three different suspect theories in this one. There's Howard Gay, who they're assuming he was and Vicky was his first victim. Or there's the cop. That Lisa was his first victim, and he somehow managed to come back and forth. Or you have the military guy who was stationed there the whole time. But at the same time, when you're on base, you have to report for certain times and be there. Otherwise, it's reported and everything happened. You okay. know what I mean? So he's, he's, he's not going to be living on base. He could be living off base. True. Working on base. True. So, you know, it's quitting time. He's going home. He sees the same girl. He sees Vicky. Let's just go with Vicky and not his other victims, I'm sure, out there. Um, he's looking at Vicky. Vicky? He goes, uh-huh. Okay. And he notices her. And then he goes to work, you know, back and forth, and he sees her continuously. This is, you know, she's off about the same time that I'm off. Yeah. She's in this area when I pass it at mm-hmm. 5.07 p.m. or whatever. Right, you know, right, right. 10 minutes after 5. Mm-hmm. So now he knows kind of her routine because people are creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. And that's when he gets her. But how do you reduce the struggle in public? That's why I'm still stuck on the cop. Well, but we have to consider that the guy, the military guy, did have police uniforms. He's also got the military uniform. So military people are, quote, unquote, trustworthy. I thought you said the military dude that we were talking about, the cop uniforms, wasn't here for the whole murders. No, the military guy was. The cop wasn't. Okay, but we're talking about... But the military guy had the military and the cop uniforms, remember? Oh, okay. Well, then... Oh, fuck my life. I know. It's confusing to me, too. You but like I said... just let me read this damn thing so I understand where the hell you're coming from, because Jesus Christ. Well, no, because this information was not in the original information I had. Remember, I found this later. Oh, that's right. Because I was like, holy shit, I found something that's going to fucking 
tear this up in this. So gonna, military yeah. guy actually makes a little even more sense than the cop if the military guy was here the whole mm-hmm. time. And he has cop uniforms. And military uniforms. And military. Hey, like I've said before, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Yeah, because my whole thing is how would Howard Gay give off the vibe that he was trustworthy if there was nothing? You know what I mean? He just worked at the fucking Tiger Cargo, Flying Tiger Cargo. Right. And, um, it's not like he had the... The stuff that automatically gives off a trustworthy vibe. And a military guy wouldn't be so much because, you know. Like I said, like, we, everybody trusts the military. No, I don't. I don't trust nobody. Whatever, dude. No, but like if, if a military guy pulled you over, for example. And said, or even noticed you were in distress and pulled over and helped. That's a little different. But if they pulled you over like law enforcement, you'd be like, fuck off. But then MPs in Hawaii can pull over civilians, from my understanding. I'd still tell them to fuck off. Unless I was on a military base. I mean, fuck off. You can oh. be a real cop. Because I've heard that considering the high mil- I've heard this. I don't know if it's true, so don't quote me. I have heard that in Hawaii, it's a little different because most of Hawaii is considered military base. Most of it. Uh, I don't know, though. Like I said, don't quote me. Now, hold on. I have some more questions oh, in regards Jesus to Jesus Christ, this. Billy Mays. I know. I have questions. I said, didn't say, hey, wait, those more. Do you think he chose to use something to... Okay, no, wait. If you consider the evidence that he used an object or tool to strangle Vicky, and then for the rest of them, he abandoned that and manually strangled the others, what is the significance behind that? Up close and personal. Do you think it signifies that he knew Vicky better? No, I think it just adds to the evolution. Okay. Because I was going to say, because if, if he knew Vicky better, he would have a harder time choking her manly, because that's even more personal than with a tool. But... Maybe he learned that he enjoyed feeling the skin on his fingers. Oh, I didn't even think about that when you sick perverted, mind you. Yeah. See, that's what I... Okay. Uh, la, da, da. Then he wanted to be spanked. <laughs> okay, I think that's... Hold on. I need to find out... Oh, no, that's later. Okay. Um... Hang on. I, I need to write this down, so hang on. Otherwise, I get like, uh, okay, I'll just look for, I'm looking for common, uncommon phrases that I can search. I know this, I mean, this is why this one's so hard, because um, there's so much, and you have to keep going back. Or, arrest them all, and let the court sort that shit No, out. I say, arrest them all, and just shoot, line them up, shoot them all. Who cares, right? Yeah, let God figure it out. Look. Three less men in this world. Really? That's brutal. I'm sorry. Man-hater. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. You're a man-hater, potato. Okay, now here's some information I think is important, and maybe you'll think it's irrelevant. I'm going to circle back to when the police arrested Gay. Okay? Remember, they brought him in for questioning, and I told you several reports I found, including Wikipedia, stated that something in regards to authorities questioning an ex-wife and a girlfriend. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, after digging a little deeper, I couldn't find any evidence of, about him having a girlfriend at the time. However, I found some information I would consider to be almost as satisfying as finding a pot of gold at the, ra- at the end of a rainbow. And I even verified this with Ancestry.com. Okay, is that 
it's important to tell you at this time. Um, oh no, I, I said, I, I wanted to say this for you. It's important to tell you at this time that the lengths I went to in order to get this information, I felt like I had to sell my soul and my firstborn. And now I understand what you went through digging into the John Ackroyd case, which was episode 19. That was a... Because that was geez. brutal. Because it's like every time you called me this week, I'm like, dude, I'm still working on the Honolulu one. <laughs> and you're like, still? I'm like, you just don't understand. Like so because we're he, already an hour and 20 into yeah, this. He was not divorced at the time of these murders. He was still married to his wife, Rita. And this is what I was able to dig up. Okay? They... When um, they got married in 1965, in 1965, they were college sweethearts, okay? They settled in California and had a rather happy marriage and had two sons. In 1980, the company he worked for transferred him to Hawaii, so he moved to Honolulu. Now, she and the boys did not go with him. I don't know why. It didn't say why. Hey, she has a job, too. Yeah, well, and I'm just saying, I don't know what led to those circumstances. However, he was transferred to Hawaii, and the boys didn't go with him. With, her and the boys didn't go. Now, over the next several years, although they didn't see each other frequently, there was quite a few times when he would either return to the mainland or they would visit him Hawaii. And it may not have been the ideal situation, but they were making it work for them. And according to some information I was able to find, there was just one such visit that really stands out in her mind. Apparently, on one occasion, she decided she would surprise him. So she and the boys, the oldest, and... Okay, so the oldest would be in his mid-teens at this point, packed up and flew to Hawaii to spend a long weekend with him. And this is what she remembers. Since she didn't tell him they were coming, he wasn't at the airport to pick them up. They took some sort of public transportation from the airport to his house. I'm assuming it was either the city bus or a taxi, since Uber and Lyft weren't around. And when they arrived at the house, he saw them, and it seemed like he was less than thrilled to have them on his doorstep, almost as if he were irritated. He wouldn't let them come in the house, and instead of spending, uh, and he checked them into a nearby hotel. And instead of spending the long weekend, he sent them back after two days. Maybe he was under stress, man. Like, seriously. Okay. There, well, and this is that... something else that's important here, too. Um, let's see. On May 3rd, 1986, Linda's body is discovered. That's the fifth victim. On May 9th, Gay was placed under arrest for questioning, but ultimately released. That June, his oldest son, Jason, would graduate from high school. So Gay flew back to Hawaii for the ceremony and celebrations. Three days after this graduation, his son was driving around and got a flat tire and was pulled and he was pulled over on the side of the road trying to change his tire when he was hit by another motorist and killed. Oh, brutal. Now, when Gay's son died, he was devastated and went out searching for answers or at least some purpose for the tragedy, which I can understand because I've told you about my friend who died in 2013 and how I question why it happened. Right. Right. Um, and I'll have more of that on the website. I don't want to talk about it now. Despite his somewhat odd behavior that one time. Oh, wait. Oh, no. Anyways, so he um, handled it by turning to religion, and he became a born-again Christian. 
Okay. okay. Despite his somewhat odd behavior that one time, Rita believed until the day she passed away that Gay had absolutely nothing to do with these murders. She believes it was somebody else and that the authorities were wasting their time treating him like a suspect. However, she did say he did have a vasectomy between the time after their youngest son was born in 1985 when the murders began. So did hundreds of thousands See, of other and dudes. that's just it. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's, um, ridiculous. it's ridiculous to even put that into play. But see, this is where something, it's going to make a little bit more sense why I even brought that up. Because I think something is going on here. And um, yeah, anyways, let me go on to fine born again. Okay. Now, a couple of things. Dr. O'Toole gave three possibilities, right? After Linda's bodies were found that they stopped. If then Gay's wife says that after their oldest son died in the car accident, he found religion. Do you think if he is the son sub that this newfound religious beliefs were life altering enough to stop his need to kill? Maybe. Okay. I mean, people have gotten off of drugs and alcohol for Jesus. You know what I mean? They've they've stopped right. doing shit for but, uh, uh, Everybody's got a different. Uh, okay, but yeah, I go with motivator. Well, I was yeah. going to say because you and I both have done enough research, though, that a need that serial killing <laughs> is all, is so re- ritualistic that it seems they have the absolute no control over it, almost as if it's necessary to their own existence as breathing. Right, but maybe he turns to Jesus and he he prays a lot, and in his own mind, it's that's what, that's what's getting him through the day. Okay, no, no. I mean, I, I can feel you on that one. And then we have... Okay, now, there's also this other potential witness that came forward, okay? Now, she didn't come forward with a whole lot of information back when this was happening because she thought that the authorities were trying to, like, sweep this under the rug because it's a huge tourist industry and she feels like they didn't want to put a whole lot of process into it because they didn't want to affect the tourist industry. Okay. Okay. I hope it wasn't the case, but it wouldn't really shock me. Probably was. Huh? You know what? They didn't have Hawaii Five-0 on it. You're right. They did not have Dano. I know. Fuck them, Dano. They need Dano. Okay. She said... That she had a male customer who would come in for lunch at least two to three times a week. And he would only sit in a particular area, which was open windows. Okay. And he came only during lunch. Okay. Now, she goes on to explain something. And she feels it was gay. But I believe that they kind of led her to that belief. So, I'm not even going to get into that. (coughs) But what I think is important here is that... Um, about this, sig- the significance of this is the restaurant she worked at. Okay. <laughs> um, hang on. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. I, I lost myself. I had to find it right outside this very restaurant. This guy frequented several days a week as a wide open view of the water, an unobstructed view of the areas where four of the five known victims were found. 
whoever stands in that location can look left, right, and straight ahead and see the exact area where these bodies, the only location that couldn't be seen from that view was Louise, right? I believe he was there. I don't, I don't necessarily believe that the guy was gay, the officer gay. I mean, not officer gay, Howard gay. <laughs> what I do believe is that she might have had a run-in with the killer, and he came there all the time because he could revisit the crime scenes without physically revisiting. Uh, no, I'm going to call bullshit on it. Maybe it's just a dude. Like It's his lunch break. He's a single guy. He goes, hey, this well, is. See, I, she I talks can't... about a creepy run in with the guy, too. And I'm not getting into that. I'll have it on the website. That's the subjective. Right. You know, like, I think my neighbors are assholes. And other people, you know, that know him obviously think that they're pretty OK. OK. It's subjective. Objective. Okay. Maybe this dude is just coming in for lunch, and okay. it's a, obviously a gorgeous view. You're looking at the water, right? He just mm-hmm. wants to sit there. He wants to have his fucking lunch, and then he wants to go. That's all he wants to do. And now there's, this must have been the killer. I think that she's full of shit. No. Okay. No, I, I, I hear you chirping, Big Bird. Okay. Now, I also get into, and I'll have this on the website, um, for about... You know, because I saw an interview where the deputy prosecutor explained some things. And what's important to note at the time that they didn't prosecute gay or try to even prosecute gay because there was so much question behind it. Because they have to look at three factors. What what was their burden of proof? What evidence did they have? And what forensics capabilities did they have available? And it's all at that time. We can't look right. at it now. We have to look at back then. Right. Okay. So with that being said here, where was, oh, with that all being said here, dang it, my mouse is going crazy on me. Okay. My mouse went crazy and took me all the way to the top. It was really kind of freaky. Um, now, let's see here. Okay, when you look at this case from the 1986 perspective and not with the 2021-2020 vision that we have, do you feel the prosecution team should have or shouldn't have tried to bring charges against Howard? I don't think they should have. Okay. for, for, For what? Because no, I'm just saying this for bones? arguments purposes for the listeners. Yeah, even if even if we're looking at today's standards, mm-hmm. for what? Because he found some pig bones? Because he travels up and down that stretch of road every day and has a van? Right, because they never like found so any paracord in his possession or in his house or in his vehicle. Yeah, so what? Just to pick him out? No, I'm, I, I want to take, take Howard off the table because I just think he's just a regular fucking guy, man. Okay. Okay, so that kind of answered my next question is I, I was going to ask if you thought that Howard Gay is that, in fact, the Honolulu Strangler. Okay, now, I want to share some final words with you. Thank God. I, no, I'm going to quote two people, and this is why I'm a little upset about this, because we have introduced and we've talked about the different theories and why the Howard Gay one doesn't make sense, right? Peter Carlyle says, if Gay was alive today then I believe that we now have the forensic ability to be able to probably prove him guilty in a case beyond a reasonable doubt. 
every effort was expended to discover who the murderer was. And in the long run, we simply didn't have enough evidence. Now, okay, he's passed away. That's kind of dick. Can you not get his DNA still and run the DNA and prove whether it was him or not? You would think, but... To close the case? Yeah, but... Um, even if we're looking at today's standards, okay, where is your evidence? What? And I'm bringing it up again, like I did like two minutes ago, because he drives a van up and down right, that and same stretch of highway, because he found say, some damn pig bones, and he's like, he would, you know, we could probably convict him. Bullshit. Right. Well, and that's what I'm trying to say here, is he's saying that they could probably prove him guilty in a case beyond a reasonable doubt. How? When you haven't even run... His DNA against the DNA from the victims, and he's dead, so you can get his DNA. They're scapegoating. That's why I think this dude is I think is so, too. I totally think they just want people to believe it's solved. Yeah, and then they throw into this whole mess of, well, he did have a vasectomy. Guess what, and asshole? And he had a van, and yeah. Yeah, a lot of us have had fucking vasectomies. And I bet you a lot of people in Hawaii at the time. Were had, you in Hawaii? Oh, you were only 10. Never I was mind. only 10. <laughs> I didn't start killing to way after that. Till you were 12. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. My bad. <laughs> 12 and a half, but okay. Um, no, on a serious note, but yeah, a lot of people had vasectomies. Yeah, I think A lot of people right. owned vans. A lot of people drove up and down that fucking road to go to and from work. You know? They're scapegoating. They yeah. said, this has to be the guy. Let's kind of point the finger at him because we need to close this. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be him. Bullshit. Leave Howard Gay alone. See, and I'm wondering if they said this so that they could try to give the family closure. But at the same time, if that real killer is still out there, wouldn't it be nice to get the real one and not the one you assume it is because he's gone? He's dead. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, because that's where I'm at, because I don't see where Howard Gay could have convinced these women to get in his vehicle. (laughs) No. I mean, how? He, he doesn't, no uniforms were found. He's not in a position And I don't of power. even care if he is a smooth talker. That's not going to convince me to get in some guy's vehicle. He would have to be. See, I, I didn't, when, when I made that statement, I didn't know that he, that his, the, his situation, like his wife's living on the mainland. Yeah, kids, but still. And, and I'll tell you why. So that, in my head, kind of takes away the smooth talker part of it. Only because, in my head, he's transferred there. He's just trying to do his job. He's probably right. stressed out. You know, he doesn't have his wife and kids. Yeah, uh, I just don't think that's no. It's not. Yeah, out. I was not convinced. Even though a lot of people after in in 2018 when they quote unquote wrapped this up without closing the case, were convinced that he is. But after doing all the research I've done and stuff, I do not believe. He is the one because nothing is really adding up. Yes, he worked for the cargo place. Yes, he had a van. Yes, he had a vasectomy. But how does that explain him getting the women into his vehicle? Right. Well, you have to ask yourself, how many people in that area had vasectomies? Probably a lot, right? How many people work for a cargo place? It wasn't just him. He's not the only motherfucker working there. Exactly, because it's very high military, very high air, you know, aviation. And you're talking cargo. I bet you a lot of people had vans. And there's no, I do not believe in my mind, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that Vicky was the first kill. No. There's no way he was, that Emma was perfected. I don't that, even think On that, his first time. I don't even think Lisa was the first. No, I don't think so either. If she's connected, I don't think she was either. Yeah. That's so, where I stand with it. Yeah. This whole case just pissed me off. 
More so than the tube sock one. Tube sock one's just ridiculous. <laughs> no, but that's that's why I presented this one because it had so many variables, and then they were so quick to say it's done without closing the case. You know. I agree. So I think it was just like I said. I think he's an easy scapegoat because he's dead. Yeah, they don't want to admit that. Hey, we couldn't find the killer. Yeah, and we want people to think that everything's safe and they give the family closure and everything else. Exactly. That's what I think. I, I would tend to agree with you. You look like you're about ready to fall asleep on me. I'm tired. I have to cook dinner. Um, this ran way longer than I thought it was going to. So, yeah. It wobbled but It ran way longer than oh, I thought Oh, I didn't it was hear what to. you said. It was like you were mumbling. So, I'm sorry. I was speaking loud in my own head. I told you I'm sorry. It was very informative. Could have made three parts. Whatever, dude. I lost your interest like an hour ago. What were we talking about anyway? Nothing. Oh, okay. <laughs> we were talking about the Honolulu <laughs> Strangler, but only my listeners were listening to me because you weren't. Well, at least I hope they were. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's where I stand. I'm I'm stuck yeah. on either the cop. I mean, nothing against freaking the investigators that did the thing in ni- in 2018. I just think everybody was so quick. You know, it's like you know what we want to be done with this. We're tired of people bringing it up. Let's just blame right. it on the dead guy. No, exactly. That's exactly it. So, yes. Yeah. Scapegoating, man. And yeah, I think so, too. Pretty fucked up. Yeah. That's what I'm going to leave with that, man. Yeah. You kind of you leave that shadow of doubt with, uh, you know, with with his family and his surviving kids. Yeah. You know, that little shadow of a doubt. It's pretty fucked up. And that maybe my dad was a killer and not the, yeah. like, hero I thought he was. Yeah. That's... Yeah. I, I agree. Because, I, like I said, I don't believe it was him because... It just doesn't fit. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I'm, on, I'm on that. I, I Believe me. I, I hear you chirping, big bird. <laughs> Shut up. Okay. Can we wrap this one Let's up now? Let's wrap this. I've been ready like an hour ago. Bullshit. <laughs> I've just been waiting for you to just shut up. And you no, could kidding. probably go on this episode for another five fucking hours. No, you don't. You have no clue. I could. I, I mean, oh, I left Christ. out a whole bunch that I will have on the I'll have it on the website. Let's my just in, say that. My intern needs to go give me cocaine. This is get through this anyway. This has been Brutal Nation. Remember that you can send us an email at brutalnation.cast at gmail.com. Check out our website, please, at www.twistedbluellc.com. Since we all shop uh, on Amazon anyway, help out the show by clicking on the Amazon link uh, at the top of our page and do your shopping from that link right there because it really does. It helps out the show a lot. Mm hmm. This has been copyrighted 2021 by Twisted Blue LLC. I'm Scott Alexander, and that's Tammy the Talk Forever Big Mouth Underwood. We will talk to you guys later. (laughs) Bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye-bye. You're so mean.